0: This is For Fox Sake. Hello and
1: welcome to For Fox 8, episode 103, 103, and myself, Pete Selby, is alongside, in terms of airwaves, Mr. Rob Hayes. Good evening, Peter, how are we? I am tip top, absolutely uh, spiffing in good form, sitting in For Fox 8 HQ1 and you're in for Fox 8 HQ2 I've got Christmas lights surrounding, Uh, I've got the TV on with uh, a bit of football news on there it's all right. heating's on everything's good,
0: you? Yeah, just been down the pub for a a steak and I've got my advent calendar that's the only thing Christmasy in for Fox 8 HQ2 at the minute, oh no I've got my little niece's uh, felt Christmas tree up in the background somewhere as well but that's it, that's as far as festivities go for me at the minute Oh no, I've got to In fact, there's actually, uh, there's items
1: that are not switched on. There's there's still more lights to be had. It's uh, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. And, uh, and hopefully, actually, I think the plan is for either you to be in for Fox 8 HQ 1 or me to be in for Fox 8 HQ 2 for the Christmas episode, which we'll be doing next week. Um, so first of all, if you do have any ideas, because we've got one idea so far, um, which might take a while to do, but uh, it's another one of our lists. It's a, you know, it's a going through um, players in the past. It's a, a, a fair bit of homework we're going to have to do actually uh, to drum up a list each of uh, of players that we've previously discussed, and we won't kind of go into it now. But um, apart from that. Uh, we've not actually got a lot else planned for the Christmas episode. Yes, that will take quite a while to go through, and it'll be good. And there's obviously a lot of games to be talking about, current affairs type thing uh, to do with Leicester. But uh, if you do have anything uh, to then let us know regarding the Christmas episodes, you know, any questions or anything, um, any games or whatever that you want us to play, because normally they're extended episodes anyway. So, uh, yeah, just get in contact the usual ways. Bit of housekeeping to start with. Um, obviously, you can find the podcast on uh, iTunes, on Apple Podcasts. And on SoundCloud as well as Facebook at FFS Pod is the Twitter handle. And uh, if you want to, and I hear a lot of um, podcasts saying this, if you want to rate and review. That'd be nice. I just clicked on the uh, on the ratings actually on Apple Pod. Um, The old iTunes. People say Apple Podcasts now, but uh, it used to be iTunes, or I think it still is. But, uh, yeah, I've noticed that a lot of people have have left uh, reviews and and comments and that. Really good. Thank you very much. And if you haven't done that, then please do, and just say what you feel. I'm not going to say add five stars. You can add as many stars as you like. Um, And also, if you want to listen to the Christmas episode of Drinking With Fear podcast, then you can do as well. But that's just me. Anyway, um, so, Rob, Lester, football.
0: Yes, we've we've decided to make this, uh, this episode pretty much questions based uh, and some of the key questions that have come up have been raised because of recent performances. So since we last did a podcast, we've been um, uh, away to Mr Ranieri's uh, Craven Cottage and look, Ranieri, the new manager syndrome, um, bottom of the table fighting for their lives, 1-1 to get out with a point when we didn't play particularly well was good. Um, can can we kick off with a question from Selby Senior? Can we kick off with your dad's question on our Facebook page? Just search for Fox 8 Podcast in Facebook. Um, do you think Powell considers continuity? The changes he made for the Fulham game were abysmal. Diabate started. Simpson started for no reason and although he didn't do a lot wrong, he doesn't contribute enough to this current formation, and that's the reason that he's third choice right back behind uh well, previously behind Amati and, and Ricardo. But but Diabarty in the team, too much tinkering for me. Um just it was just we were lucky to get away with a point, I think. And that and and to 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 answer your dad's question, do I think Poel considers continuity? Not really. Um because Watford was one of the most complete performances of the season. We said that on the podcast. It was a great result against a team that are very much in and around us in the Premier League. Uh, it looks like the team selection was bob on, the tactics were spot on and then we went down to Craven Cottage a few days later. It's not as if we've got a massively hectic schedule at the moment. Why, Why make all the changes? I agree
1: to an extent. Uh, I think um, too many changes, I think yes. I think there's a fine line between picking a team to face the opposition that you're playing against and... Um, and making too many changes. I think there's there's a fine line there. Maybe just the one extra change um, can just tip it one way or another. I completely agree with you uh, in one sense in terms of Diabate. Mainly because I don't think there's, he's done anything to warrant an automatic selection. Or sorry, selection in, in the first team. He can come off the bench if he wants. If he showed up in training that week. But I don't think there's anything that's been shown in terms of him starting. That he should be in front of many other players in the team. I don't understand that selection at Craven Cottage at all. Maybe he's coming in uh, the likes of Simpson because they've got Cessignon on the left or maybe Scherler was playing out that way in previous game that Ranieri was in charge of. So I can understand maybe one or two changes to to suit the opposition, but it was the Diabate. And I will get the drum out once again. I'm going to bang that drum uh, and say Harvey Barnes... Um, how is Harvey Barnes still playing at West Brom? He should be back at Leicester and back in the first team or involved in the first team squad, at least coming off the bench. Or ha- He's clearly ahead of Diabate, he's clearly ahead of G- Gazelle and that's in terms of what he's done at West Brom. Obviously, not done it at Premiership level yet, but I don't think neither of Gazelle or Diabate. And for me, you've got the three... Um, players in behind the centre forward, which of course we'll talk about Gray or Brighton and Madison, and for me you've got Harvey Barnes as well, um, who should be involved in that conversation. So there you go. Um, why would you play Diabate? He's just not proving. It. And again with the with the too many changes, I I, I know what he's saying, but also. I'll throw in as well. Maybe he doesn't change the formation enough. We'll come on to the game against Spurs. But he's, if he's changing the side, okay, to fit the opposition. But why not change the formation as well? It seems that he's he'll go as far as changing many many players to suit the opposition that we're playing against or supposedly. But then the formation will always stay the same. He seems rooted in that. Um, maybe six of one and half dozen of another would be would be equal. Maybe changing the formation and the players or or maybe just leave everything alone. You know, he, he does half, he does one thing, but maybe he should do both. But uh, so, yeah, I think a, a tentative agreement.
0: Yeah, I, ju- I just think this question is more pertinent after the Watford game because uh, at no point during this season have we really said those eleven players played ninety minutes of quality football and produced a good solid result. They had against Watford. Those eleven players. Uh, all right, he had to pull out Evans, I think, because of injury. Um, but. But that team won that game playing that well against a team that are 10 places higher than Fulham. Regardless of who you've got the following weekend, four or five games later is not a, a, an unreasonable request to ask a player to do. For, for continuity's sake, for momentum's sake, let them go out there. Then if they don't perform against Fulham, fine, have a change after that. But I think the, the continuity thing is something that's rumbled on throughout this season, but I don't think it's been as as an important a question as asking it after the Fulham game
1: and and also i throw into the mixture the fact that Vardy played against Watford and he didn't play against Fulham and the changes being Simpson and Diabate for example those two bring coming into the side has no effect on the change up top the fact that Vardy wasn't playing on Saturday against Spurs the formation was changed and the formation didn't change against Fulham. Vardy not playing. He, he makes changes and it, it, it doesn't make a difference. Do, do you get what I mean? Um, he, he, he hasn't made personnel changes uh, to accommodate the fact that Vardy's not playing against Fulham. He just brought in light for light changes. You know, he's brought in Simpson instead of Ricardo, Both at the fullback. Doesn't really change the side apart from more defensive on that side. He brings Diabate on for um, uh, playing instead of, uh, was it, grey? Um, and again in terms of positional sense and formation, it doesn't change. It's just a like for like player. There's no reason I, I, I fail to see why Diabate played ahead of Gray. Gray, as far as I know, was was fully fit. Um and should easily be ahead of Diabate. So um yeah that's that's one question. And I think um it rolls on to one I've got here on Twitter. Um Paul Oliver, hello. Um I know Ollie Uh, He says, uh, does the manager know his best side? Which kind of, you know, he's on the same wavelength. Um, I would say that he probably does. If you go through the 1-11, to you would say Schmeichel would be in goal and you would have the back for Ricardo Chilwell, stop me Rob if you think anything is wrong here. Um, And I would say Morgan and Maguire would be... If everyone's fit, probably his first team centre half partnership. You've got the two midfielders being Mendy and being Ndidi. I I think that that's what he would like. And then you have the three players behind Jamie Vardy. And the three players would be Madison in the middle, Grey one side. Um and the other side would be the interesting one. Um
0: I think possibly all Brighton. Yeah, but the fact that you're having to say possibly uh throws throws the question mark out there. In terms of in, in terms of in terms of Claude, obviously the question is is Claude's best side. I don't think
1: he has a settled, say number eleven. I think he's got pretty much ten of them sorted, and then there is that extra player who ch- chops and changes. And again, if it keeps on chopping and changing, and Claude doesn't know who that extra eleventh player is in his best side, why not bring back someone like Barnes?
0: Well, yeah, because that extra player uh, happened to be Vicentia Bora against Spurs at the weekend because what what he did was pull Madison a little bit wider, played him and Gray either side of Iheanacho and played a three-man midfield. So it is it is that extra 11th player that is being chopped and changed more often than than any others. Um, is it is it now time to bring in our burning question, Pete, the one that we were asking ourselves for... Probably a good half an hour after the game on Saturday where we both worked we w- there was nothing we could talk about other than the question that we wanted to ask each other and discuss uh, more on the podcast. Um, but also we want to ask you listening are the T is this current team uh, is the, this current group of players? in the right position in the table. Is it a case of... There's nothing to do with Claude Poil's management technique. He's doing the the best job that he can based on the quality of player that he has. Is that the case? Because we both made good cases to each other for that to be the current situation, didn't we? We we looked from 1 to 11. We looked at all the different changes. And you've got to look at the quality of player... In comparison to the quality of player of, of Tottenham Hotspur, who comfortably beat us despite us not playing that badly, I thought we played all right um, on Saturday evening. Um, a lot of people will disagree because they walk away from a 2 0 defeat where we couldn't really get into the game for, for large periods as playing badly. Spurs did a real number on us because they've got better players than us. They finished, they're, they're currently third, we're currently ninth, and that is. Currently, the be-all and end-all. Our players are only good enough to be in this position in the Premier League at the moment, in my opinion. Do you, as the listeners, agree? That's the, that's the exact
1: question. Uh, just to fin- finish the Ollie question, uh, does the manager know his best side? So the answer is he does, up to for 10 of the 11 players. What, what you say is obviously what we were talking about after the game. And um, I've been thinking about this since the game itself. There's a lot of angry and disappointed supporters of Leicester a week after we've come away from the game against Watford in high spirits because they've won and they've played uh, the Leicester way that people have been used to. Against Spurs, and the, the a reinforcement of, of your position and our position at the end of the game has been it has been reinforced by Spurs drawing away at Barcelona in midweek. We're dealing with a very good Spurs side in good form. Um, first of all, I will definitely throw into the fact that Leicester um, didn't give it a real go in terms of gung-ho attack, really get back into the game until maybe the last 10 minutes. Did we have the right personnel on the field? Were the changes made? This, that and the other. They, They all can be debated, but I agree. I just think that we do not have the quality of players to match the sides right at the top of the league yes teams can beat anyone on any given day we know that more than any team in you know in, in in football right now but i think the team is playing to a level of how good they are can it be improved of course can it be improved through better tactics um better management uh better encouragement uh, better substitutions um I think I think it can. I you know, I'm not a a Puel out guy. Uh I'm not I'm not banging that drum at all, okay? Can it be improved? Yes. Can he improve uh am I going to criticize his uh his substitutions at the weekend? Yes, I will, definitely. Um am I going to criticize the team he picked and the formation? No, because on paper it looked to be the right team and in the first half an hour especially I thought Leicester contained Spurs. Remember how many shots Spurs had? none. Okay, I, I can't remember Schmeichel making a meaningful save apart from having to pit the ball out the back of the net on the stroke of half-time. If we go in 0-0, that's been a, a containment first half where both sides have been down the side of each other's penalty area, getting the ball across the face of goal and, and, and failing with that final pass. That's happened and it was a, fa- a fairly even half. Um, the disappointing thing for Leicester is the way that we conceded the second goal and for me, the substitutions were very poor. Um, the sarcastic and cheer, basically, by Leicester fans for replacing In The Show, very poor. Um, I was... I don't like that anyway, okay? I think it's a bit childish. And also, open your eyes. I mean, and again, I... I, I anyone who goes to the football and people listen to this going, who's this guy telling me what to do at the football? Well, (laughs) it's our podcast, you're listening to it. For me, I am disappointed in any Leicester fan who cheered. Why? Open your eyes. Who's on the bench? No one. Is there a centre-forward? No. Is Jamie Vardy on the bench? No. Is Slomani? Is Ajoa? No, no. There's no one on the bench. So who's going to come on for him? Okay, he brings on Gazelle. He brings on Albrighton and Okazaki, right? Albrighton's whipping the ball into the area. There's no one there. Okay, so people are cheering the fact that Iniecho's come off well, he was our only center forward in that first team squad, okay now reasons for that should so and so be on loan that's it doesn't matter in that precise moment. was not playing tremendously well, but for me, you had to bring players on to help him. He had to stay on the field he had to, and it was a poor substitution the the team was off balance, and then a few minutes later they go and score it was and it was too early in the second half to make a change for me granted Spurs started that second half well and Leicester didn't start very uh, I wasn't encouraged by the way they ran out of you remember me saying about when they walked out of the uh, the tunnel
0: Rob I do you said it through a face full of pie and I thought here we go here's (laughs) here's pessimistic Pete but secretly he's happy they're walking out because it gives him 10 extra seconds to polish off the chicken balty I was
1: on I was on commentary for the first part of the second half and um, I got Half a chicken bolty pie in my hand as well. It was beautiful. Never have but, I um, seen a man shovel that quickly. <laughs> yeah, and um but, but Spurs came out early and they were ready and Leicester wandered out of the of the tunnel and they looked like a side who wasn't really gonna give it the full beans at the start of the second half. They started poorly. So I can understand on one hand why substitutions weren't made, but I just don't understand Bring in off. Help him. Give him another person alongside. Give him, say, Okazaki and play both of them right up top. And then build the team away from there.
0: Yeah, my issue was he hadn't done anything wrong. He'd been very isolated because, let's remember, this was a formation where there was one fewer player further up the field than there normally is. We normally play three behind a striker. Here we were playing two behind a striker and three midfielders who weren't being very adventurous, let's be perfectly honest. And Didi Mendy and Ibora between them were in competition to see who could stay closest to the centre circle. And if that's what they've been told to do, fine. Hold on to the midfield. And it worked for the majority of the first half. That's That's great. Flood the midfield, match him up three on three, great. But that left the the sort of central number 10 role vacant uh, and Atcho had no support. I can't remember a time where Atcho got the ball into his feet or into his chest and he didn't find a blue shirt. It, he did everything that he possibly could in, an, in that situation. Okay, he doesn't make real long-busting runs to go and press defenders. But again... That, to me, looked like a Claude Puel decision not to do that, especially in the first half. Whenever Spurs had the ball in their own half, Leicester deliberately left them alone and said, right, whatever, yeah, we're going to make the midfield nice and compact so that your quality players can't play through us. And it worked until Son produced a a moment of individual brilliance right near the end of the first half. So nobody was pressing, or when they did, they pressed in packs. It wasn't just left to Iheanacho to go and do it. Uh, He... Was sort of orchestrating Madison and Gray, and then one of the three central midfielders to push on and try and stop Spurs playing out. But you try and do that, and they play out anyway, and then you leave a big space in behind. So, and look, Ianacho is not Jamie Vardy. Kelechi Ianacho is a natural finisher. We've seen it in flashes this season. Okay, He is not as hardworking as Jamie Vardy, that's a fact, but find me a striker in the Premier League that is in in, rea- in reality. Let's look at mileage, look at intensity, look at all of those stats and I, I would uh, implore you to find a striker that works as hard up front as Jamie Vardy, especially on his own. Ian Acho needed people around him, and he needed quality balls into the box, and unfortunately, he got neither throughout the game. So to sarcastically applaud him off—a lad who's in his early twenties, who has been knocked about a bit by Vertonghen and Aldevarold, who are both big lads at the back—and um, and has has given his uh, fought his own in 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 many ways. I th- I thought it was appalling. I, mean, I I looked at you and we looked at Alex uh, Cuthbert who was who was incensed about it and um, we're just looking at it from a a completely um uh not a neutral point of view but we we were sat there we were obviously we were commentating on the game but we're all Leicester fans as well and I just thought Ian Nacho's done most of what he could there he's not let anybody down he's not given the ball away he's not um, throwing his toys out the pram. He's not He's not, not putting a shift. He's not putting a Jamie Vardy-esque shift and he's not scored a goal. Well, come on. He can't do it all the time, can he? I, I, I agree. I will I will throw in one thing. In terms of the closing
1: down, could he have done more? Yes. I, I think there there was elements to the game where, for me, he could maybe have, have, have just shown a, a bit more. I'm, obviously, he shouldn't have been taken off at all. And also, early in the second half, he's in that second half... There was He had nothing. He had no but It was all spurs. And then you take him off. And he must have looked at the touchline and gone, hang on. Where, where's the Substitutions are being made. Fantastic. Are you going to bring on Albrighton? Are you going to bring on maybe Albrighton and Okazaki? Move one of the midfielders into a uh, forward role? You could have easily bought off one of the midfielders uh, for me. You can bring off a boy. you can bring off Mendy or or Ndidi, who I thought was actually very poor. Um, you could bring one of them off, bring Okazaki on, move him right up top. Instantly, you've got a, a changed formation. Yes, it's more attacking, but you've got help up the top. It will give their defence more to deal with. They had Eric Dyer in midfield dropping so deep. He was picking the ball off the centre-half pairing. They didn't have anything to do. The centre-half pairing won headers and... That was it. Because they didn't have it because they've got almost three of them at the back with Dyer dropping deep. He's, he's got no chance in the Acho. Um again, could have shown a bit more, but I, I just thought it, it, it was very poor. The substitutions were were for me appalling. And of course they score straight away. Chilwell for the goal, second goal, um, very poor again. Could have got back, didn't, and he got a free header on the far post. Yes, he was offside, but there you go, game over. Um, yeah, it, it's just disappointing all round, really. Um, and it, it highlights... So we, shall we highlights, pull out some
0: positives? Go on, what does well, it
1: highlight? Well, it highlights for me, there's no plan B. There's absolutely no plan B. And we touched on this in terms of, does Claude know, uh, make too many changes? He makes too many changes for me in terms of personnel. And we said that with, with the first question, but... He doesn't change the formation okay he did for the game against spurs for the first uh, in the first half and for me it did work but there's no plan b in terms of substitutions in terms of having another center forward we're desperate for a center forward okay we've got jamie vardy and we've got Iniacho and away from that there is no plan b um does he change the formation to have the two up top no that's never happened okay so there's, there's no chance of Okazaki playing up front alongside Jamie Vardy or 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 Iniacho okay or Iniacho playing alongside Vardy both as number 9s right up top they've played obviously as a 10 and a 9 before um so we're just desperate we're desperate for another forward
0: agreed but that's probably a transfer window chat that we'll have early January uh let's pull out a positive a real positive that I took from from the Spurs game apart from the fact that in the first half it didn't look like third versus ninth at times. Um, in terms of individual performances, and this links to a question we've had on Facebook, uh, do you agree Wes Morgan is playing as well as ever? Well, on Saturday evening showing, absolutely. He and Johnny Evans were absolutely titanic at the back. I thought, Wes Morgan... A couple of times, one where um, I think Deli Ali was clean through, uh, just about to pull the trigger and Wes Morgan from somewhere pulls out a sliding challenge where he hooks the ball away from Alli, uh, stands up and just calmly passes it out of his own penalty area. And then another where he was all of a sudden left three on one at the back um, and he produced a sort of the old uh, long barrier cricket block that you get taught at at, at secondary school to to stop the ball being squeezed through his legs to play a a, a Tottenham player in. There's just two examples of how outstanding he was. He got his head on everything. He led that team exceptionally well on Saturday night, and he's come in for a lot of criticism, more so from other areas uh, of social media and the media than necessarily us, although we have... Um, been honest and said that at times he's looked past it he's looked um, like he's struggling with the pace of the Premier League Saturday night him and Evans and I think Evans is the kind of centre-half that Wes Morgan really likes playing with he's he's a he's a Robert Huth uh, in everything but the square German jaw in the sense that he knows exactly what the Premier League's about he knows exactly how to defend his own goal in the safest way possible he brings rock steadiness to to the back four Uh, and Evans has got better and better in a Leicester shirt for me he didn't start great and I thought well maybe although it was only a couple of million here or there to to bring him in I thought maybe it was a bit of a dodgy signing but he's looked every inch the experienced Premier League player that he is Wes Morgan loves playing with a centre-back like that those two were excellent so in response to the question, do you agree Wes Morgan is playing as well as ever? On Saturday night's evidence, yes. He's still a little bit up and down, but wouldn't you be playing against world-class strikers every week in the Premier League at 34? Um, but it raises an, another interesting question about Harry Maguire, who is very near fitness. Obviously, he was on the bench on on Saturday night. Uh, I get the feeling, and this is just my personal opinion, Harry Maguire is not... The kind of centre back that Wes Morgan likes playing with, because Harry Maguire likes to play out from the back, and obviously that gives us a different dimension. Obviously, it makes he makes contributions in more areas of the pitch, and Harry Maguire is a good defender. Don't get me wrong, but he's but has Wes Morgan played at his best alongside Harry Maguire since Maguire came to the club? I'd say no. Is Wes Morgan playing as well as ever alongside Johnny Evans? Yes. It's it's interesting, what do you do? Do you bring in Maguire or
1: do you go with an informed Morgan alongside his favourite partner? Um, I think it's a very, very interesting topic. Um, one question related to this is uh, from Harry on Twitter uh, regarding Benkovic on loan at Celtic, who we've all heard... He's doing very, very well at Celtic, and there's been a lot of comparisons with a certain Van Dyke, Virgil Van Dyke, was at Celtic, and they're, they're saying he's he's standing out so much like he did there, and um, people saying would you bring him back? My answer is no. We all know what I think about uh, Harvey Barnes, but I think Leicester's strength is their defence. I think they have um, a very good. I think they've got cover in all areas of the defence in terms of in goal. I think at right back, left back and at centre half they've got plenty of options. Uh, Who plays is a decision for Claude. I think you would go with obviously Maguire and Morgan. But again with the p- other people in that squad Evans and sitoy it, it, it's it, it's it's a, a good area of the side and um, when we when we look at the squad as a whole the defense and goalkeeping situation is is very good we've got a lot of cover we've got a lot of young it's it's it is very good so for me no you leave um, benkovic there and morgan he was fantastic he's playing very very well um he's the best blocker of the ball i've ever seen in my life he's he's obviously a, an absolute hero of a player and he's just he's playing at the top of his game he's a very good footballer and again I don't understand why fans get on his back and are very quick to dismiss an, a very experienced centre half who again why why would you be calling for him to be dropped what, I can understand in terms of sometimes against quicker players but don't get is, is looks a really good player in the making but he's not a first team Leicester regular yet he needs to prove it and neither's Benkovic. He's doing very well on loan, but people saying bring him back and play him, no, because he's not proven. Keep Wes Morgan where he is. He had a brilliant game. Remember that tackle before they scored the first goal? Uh, I think it was on Delhi Alley. Tremendously timed tackle. Um, will we ask this question at the end of the season? That's a different question, and we'll wait until the end of the season for me. But for me, for now, Wes, he's still in the team and he's captain. And for me, he's the first centre-half name on the sheets. And it's who's going to play alongside him. I think it's always going to be Maguire if he's fit. But for me, I'd wait until he's fully fit rather than just throw him in. I think you've got a good opportunity against Manchester City, for example. Um, I think the Crystal Palace game, I'd rather stick with Evans and Morgan. um, And then maybe bring Maguire in against City in the League Cup. I think that would be a good game for him to get a bit of fitness. um, Even if he plays a half, for example. Um, you could play possibly him and Sancho you could change the centre-halves completely that could easily be an option um, it, I think it'd be a half-decent game for Weds maybe to sit out but leave him on the bench we'll, we'll wait
0: and see um, Yeah that's a positive problem to have isn't it to have to have players to have three players where you could very comfortably start two of the three uh, and it would add different quality dimensions to your team and to have Soyunchu there as the as the fourth choice, he's obviously there as as cover at the moment. He's not as you say, he's not quite got the stature or the or the know how yet to start a Premier League game on merit above those other three. But to have those three there, to have your captain playing out of his skin, to have Johnny Evans looking every inch the Premier League defender that he is, and to have an England international who we are talking about potentially not including um I think he will get. I think it will become what McGuire and Morgan again. Don't get me wrong, but we're talking about an England international who started uh, a lot for England in the in the World Cup in the summer in a very successful England team. Uh, about potentially, like, how does he get back into the team? And that's a great position for us uh, as a team to be in. We've we've talked a bit about the uh, we've talked we've been quite negative. Let's be perfectly honest in the opening uh, part of this podcast. But there, where's Morgan playing well? Positive. Um, selection headache for Claude Puel at centre-back in a positive way good news um, shall we move on to another question I've got one uh, it's related to, to Spurs who obviously we lost to on Saturday and who did pretty well actually to get that result against the, the, new, uh, the new Camp against Barcelona and um, uh, Inter and PSV well PSV did them a favour by drawing with Inter so Spurs are through to the knockout stages of the Champions League Um, This is from a a new listener called Paul um, uh, and he's asked, would you rather have had the one-off incredible success that we had when we won the Premier League um, title or would you rather be like Tottenham and be a sustained top four slash top six side uh, that are competing in the Champions League and having Champions League nights like that and always winning the majority of their games in the Premier League and always finishing somewhere near the top but not actually winning any silverware which which way would you swing on that beat would you rather have had the one-off like us and then slip back into mid-table anonymity which we're, we're currently experiencing or would you rather be a spurs and you'd back yourself to beat pretty much any team in the premier league um finish top four draw with barcelona to make it through to the knockouts of the champions league easy
1: question easy question um 100% every single time i'd rather be us uh, and that's not just, say, Leicester. It would be a team like Leicester for, for for many reasons. The main reason is I know a lot of Spurs fans. I know a lot of Arsenal fans um, and fans of, of, of clubs of that ilk. And when they win a game in the Premier League, they're not happy because they expect to win. And if they don't, it's like a relief. Oh, we've won. But when they don't win, it's the end of the world. With Leicester, even if they... When they win 2-0 at home against Watford, get in. We've won a game in the Premier League. I'm still in that kind of era of kind of, yes, another three points. Yes, we're looking for higher and we're always wanting to go up and up and up and we're looking to get into Europe and all that. But I still like those victories and I don't want those victories to be diminished in any way, shape or form. Um, And also... Because of the size of the club and because of the money we've got, and we'll come on to plans and this and the other, we've always got the opportunity of winning things. We've always got uh, the opportunity of winning cups. You know, we're in that group of teams who can. If you're in, a, you know, if you're a lower league championship side or League One, you know, you're not really going to win the FA Cup or League Cup. We can win things, and also we can qualify for Europe through those one-off seasons. We've had the ultimate one-off season. So my my thing always would be, I'm delighted that I'm a fan of. club the size of Leicester and also what we've done in our past the Wembley trips in the 90s amazing I wouldn't swap that for anything Um, I feel I've, I've heard a few things regarding Manchester City fans those who are kind of missing the old days in a way now they're winning everything. It's not quite the same. I can understand what they're thinking about. You know you know what I mean? If you're a Man City fan and you went to Main Road all the time and now it's all completely different. It's like the club really has changed. And I can understand some of them thinking, this is not quite the club that I supported. But no, I wouldn't change it for the world and also my local side as well.
0: Yeah, there is that. I, I don't think anybody was. I don't think the the question wasn't necessarily shall we all jump ship and become Spurs fans because they drew with Barcelona. It was just. Um, it was just in that kind of context. Um, I've got to say, when I was thinking about this uh, today, I, I didn't think about it as clear cut as that in in my head. But you've just you've just clarified it for me, Pete. And th- this is one of the first times ever uh, in however long we've known each other, because that does believe it or not span longer than the uh, lifespan of this podcast. Um, I think that's the first time you've actually cleared something up for me and not confused the, the heck out of me with some of your nonsensical ramblings. So thank you for that. I was I was in the, I would rather have had our amazing one-off season than than be a sustained top four, top six. side. I was in that camp, but I don't think I was as firmly in that camp as I am having listened to your explanation of it for the last couple of minutes. So for, for one of the first times in my life, thank you very much, Peter, for clarifying that for me that's fine i i've had that question uh, asked to me before actually
1: um by people who again support other clubs um and 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 in fact i heard that question not long ago being asked someone who's a watford fan and they're pretty much in the same kind of level as we are although i argued that obviously their club isn't maybe not as big as Leicester, and they are really are riding kind of the crest of a wave when we're looking like we could maybe still go forward further um I'd always be that, I'd always want to be that club that have the possibility of winning things, but when, I again, people win a game, oh yeah, we won, and then they're just not happy, they're, they're almost waiting for them to lose, you know, it's uh, if especially if, and also with Spurs, they just never win anything anyway as well, so <laughs> they, they're never happy, you you can't be a happy Spurs fan, you know you're not going to win something, but a win is still been, it's not good enough, you know, winning the Premier League is not good enough, they went and won at Leicester obviously. Are they delirious? Not really. It's just a win over a mid-table side. Um, if they didn't win, they'd be annoyed. And I'd hate to be in that position. But um, I have a question here. Um, I mean, we, we're going to obviously do a podcast after the Christmas special regarding the transfer window, but it is kind of looming large. Um, and basically, it's early thoughts on um, uh, from, from Fox uh, uh, and load of numbers after the thing on Twitter. Um, early thoughts for the transfer window and center forward. It's 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 nice and easy. Who? Uh, many people want Pure uh, to go. But who do you want? Is there a manager out there? We won't mention Pure because that's that will take a whole podcast. But um, for me, it has to be a center forward. It has to be the right one. Um, are they going to invest a lot of money? We'll wait and see. Harvey Barnes is obviously again where's that drum bang 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 the drum i would bring him back i think we could do with a centre forward or two depending on how injured jamie vardy is and i still think there's a massive question mark over that how injured is he is he going to need an operation if he's going to need operation you're going to need someone to come in and play now Um, i'd like to see possibility of lone players Uh, there's players at clubs in the premier league who won't be affected by leicester doing well in the premier league who play for the likes of say Liverpool or Chelsea or City, um, they could easily come in and play. Um, we'll have to wait and see, but um, it, it's all about the forward line. There's always the option of um, drink water in midfield. Um, I was just discussing this with the old man actually a minute a few minutes ago. When we played on Saturday, we had Vincenzo Bora in midfield. Now in that formation with those three centre midfielders. I think Danny Drinkwater with Ndidi and Mendy would have been absolutely perfect in that role. Um, Slightly going further forward, picking a pass, uh, I I think would be ideal. The problems with that are obvious. How well is he left in terms of behind the scenes at Leicester? Has there been a falling out with the owners? Um, What's the contract situation like? Would it be in terms of a loan or would it be a loan to a future deal? Um, Is he going to be picked off by other clubs? for example i can't imagine that claudio's already phoned up and said i want drink water um but for me i'd have him back easily because i think in that formation he can easily play and i still think there's room for him in the midfield alongside either indeedy or mendy
0: yeah i think it, there's no doubt that he'd add some quality on the ball which i think um when mendy and indidi first started uh as as the central midfield duo, everybody was like, "Yeah, here we go. Look, Mendy's the player that we always wanted him to be. Indeed, he's just getting better and better." Uh, but then we quickly found out that they were struggling to get the ball to the more creative players, and I think that that was evident on Saturday. Albeit they didn't have a lot of time in the midfield because Spurs were pressing very well as as they do under Pochettino, uh, with very good midfield players, very athletic midfield player in Sissoko in particular. Um, and Didi and Mendy are good at winning the ball back, but let's I, I I'm again look it. We won the Premier League with Angola Kante winning the ball back, giving it drink water, and then the rest was pretty pretty easy for for the Leicester number four. Um, Ibora was trying to do that a bit more, but when we were playing that formation, it was two v two v two in midfield pretty much. It's, yeah, Saturday was three versus three, so six players in there. It's a lot more. Uh, congested and a lot more difficult for Ebora to get his passing game on. That plus, although Ebora is technically very good and can pick a pass, no question, I still think he is half a yard off the pace of the Premier League and I don't think that is something that is going to come to him. Um, So in terms terms of transfer movements, I think Drinkwater to Fulham would be more, a, a deal that Drinkwater would be more interested in. I don't think... He would want to dig up uh, the past by coming back to Leicester. Leicester's a different place, there, a much different club and set-up since he left it. Um, and Fulham's just around the corner and I'm sure he'll have set set himself up in London now. He, he's got plenty of time on his hands, so his social media is full of him having day trips around London uh, and various different outings that aren't anything to do with football because I don't think he's kicked one in the last few months. Um, yeah, 125 grand a week, you got a bit of change. Yeah, exactly. I think Fulham under Ranieri, uh, a, a half-a-season loan deal to get him back on his feet would be perfect. And he's got nothing to lose at Fulham because they're bottom of the Premier League. Uh, striker, absolutely. Who? I don't know. Um, if Barnes comes back, have we then got uh, enough options in, in the sort of attacking midfield roles or would you like to see one more come in i think it depends also on how many go out and the and the the problem with the january transfer window is if you start making real wholesale changes you've got no idea how the second half of the season's going to go if you look at the squad now we're doing fine we're comfortably mid-table we're beating most of the teams we should beat we're losing to the teams that arguably we should be losing to which is absolutely fair enough and fine um, if you take on board our opinion here on For Fox 8 Podcast that the current squad are not good enough to be much higher than this, 8th maybe 7th at a push, um, is January the right time to address that wholesale? Absolutely not. Is it the right time to address an area where we are clearly struggling, i.e. centre forward? Then absolutely But the problem then is, let's link this to another question from your old man who asked a million questions, as you'll see on Facebook. Why do we have such problems with the strikers that we sign? They all seem to lose confidence and form. Is there something around this club that says Jamie Vardy is the only number nine, the rest of you are going to have to play second fiddle to him? And is that getting in strikers' heads? Or is it simply the fact that Iheanacho hasn't quite... Settled into his role at Leicester, or settled into the role that he's been asked to play on the pitch. Uh, likewise, with someone like let's talk about Slomani, just because he's still contracted with the club. It's, it, I mean, these they, these are all they're, they're all huge questions, and we knew when we put out the the request for questions from you from the listeners that there would be question upon question upon questions that would spiral out of control, and we'd get into a big mess of what ifs. But yes, we need a striker. But is there something at the club? That's even subconscious that you you your your dad's hinting at there that all strikers that we sign seem to to lose confidence.
1: I I think um well, there's a number of points. First of all, I'll just when you're on about wholesale changes, I would kind of argue the fact that because we're quite stable in in mid table, that if you want to make wholesale changes, especially in the forward area, we're only talking about the the the, the three behind the one. That's how we play, um. I'd argue the fact that because we're quite stable in in mid-table, that we could actually make wholesale changes. And if it works badly, we're not going to risk getting relegated, for example. You know, you you can actually roll that dice in our position. And if it works, we could then go forward and maybe finish seventh. You never know. Um, I do have another question, which is on exactly the same line, uh, and it's from Graham. Who lives just down the road from for Fox Eight HQ? And I saw him today, and he just shouted Salamani at me. Um, to which I shouted, "Slim Dog Millionaire," because obviously that's what I call him. And uh, he looked at me, gone out. So uh, I've realised he probably doesn't listen to the podcast. Then um, I think there is an element of obviously Vardy is number nine. He's the main man. All the other people who have been brought in to play for Leicester as a forward, and you can throw in the likes. You, you, I mean, really, it would be. crammich um, was in a time where it didn't work out with the way Leicester were playing. There's, I mean, Kramrich now would be absolutely ideal. Really, in that ten role behind, um, behind Vardy would be <clears throat> absolutely fantastic. And. Uh, S- Slomani is very interesting. Um, I would bring him back. It's obviously gone terribly wrong at Galatasaray. If he wants to come back and play, great. If he doesn't want to come back, okay. And if there's problems with him and the manager or whatever, we don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But I feel that Slomani, when he played for Leicester, was playing behind Jamie Vardy where um, Okazaki used to play. Um, It didn't quite click. When it did, it looked fantastic. I'll go back to the Man City game when we were 3-0 up. When we played Porto in the Champions League, he scored um he's got a one in two record from when he started um for Leicester. But in this formation, three attacking midfielders behind the lone centre forward, I think would suit Slomani down to the ground. He's big enough to hold the ball up. Um he'll be able to get on crosses. You'd play Albrighton on one side instantly, Albrighton, Grey, and in the middle um you'd play Madison. I think this would suit him down to the ground. Um, it would suit him better than the formation that we played. It's difficult to play alongside Jamie Vardy unless you're a very unselfish player like Okazaki. The reason Okazaki worked alongside Vardy is because he was so unselfish. He sat, This is a number nine. We signed him as a centre four with Okazaki, and he just fell into the role of this kind of scamp who falls over players' legs and gets through players' legs and somehow still has the ball and takes the tension off players and flicks the ball well. He's a lovely little flick around the corner for Vardy. and That's the Okazaki that we love. And it just clicked for that season. To play behind Vardy, you need to be very unselfish. And I think signing players like Ineasho, it it just not works. He's a centre-forward. You've already said what Ine Asho is. is. He's, he's that fox in the box. He's the number nine, getting on the end of things. And... He's been tried in that ten role and it's just not worked. Um, is there an over reliance on Jamie Vardy? Of course there is. The thirty-one year old with dodgy groins. There's an over reliance on a on a top eight or nine Premiership side. Is Jamie Vardy just so good that of course you're going to rely on him? Yes, he, he you know he's an absolute icon. He's the icon of the club. He really is. Um, it's it's just a very interesting situation for me. And touch wood if vardy ever got seriously injured um or left the club in some way shape or form then we would be in a right right mess um i think it needs to be addressed and I, I still again this is this goes back to the tactics with with claude i don't understand how claude hasn't played in a different formation that would suit the other players in the side when vardy's missing it's obvious now we can't play this formation with out Jamie Vardy it works with Vardy without him it doesn't it's quite simple and the sooner we get used to that the sooner then he can start signing players maybe looking to the future without Vardy
0: Agreed we're running out of time here Pete we've been prattling on but we knew we would because of the questions. Have you got any more questions there or shall we move on to, to looking at something that has been leaked on social media today and then quickly previewing the games because we like to keep things within an hour and an hour's a push really for you lot to listen to us rambly on we appreciate that yeah, it's 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 it's
1: really it's, it it yeah it has and um it's it's been good to you know to highlight a few of the issues and and also to praise the the, the club as well you know what we have as 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 a club we've got some great players the defence the defenders we've got brilliant the goalkeepers look at Danny Ward sitting on the sideline you know he's a number one goalkeeper in the making the two mid Mendy how he's come back and been in the side really good I've been slightly disappointed with Ndidi, but that's something else and going forward Madison Vardy still banging the goals. Yes, there's little tweaks here and there and there's players that we need to sign. Yes, we need new forwards. But there's there's an awful lot right with the club and an awful lot right has been oh, apparently leaked today. Now, first of all, I have no idea where these plans have come from. Um, I've tried to find out from the, the one place I saw on Twitter that they were first released and um, I've got no response so I just tweeted out the, the picture anyway and, and everyone else has. And it's stadium expansion plans. So first of all, if this turns out to be absolute garbage, then it ain't our fault. You know, we're it. It's got so far, and everyone's probably seen it by now that it doesn't really matter. We can talk about it because everyone's seen it, and it's not like it's, uh, you know, it's done by us. It's it, and it looks fairly professional. Again, if someone's just made this up themselves, then uh, then well done. You've you, you've hoaxed uh, pretty much every Leicester fan, and it's plans for the expansion of the ground. Now, a quick run through of what um, this looks like just in case people haven't seen it if you do want to see it go over to our twitter at ffspod for fox 8 podcast or go over to uh, facebook uh, again just type in for fox 8 podcast click like and it means that you'll get every episode of this out and the other but also you'll see the plans on there we've put it on facebook um Essentially, it's an expansion of the ground in the East End, and it looks to me like it's going to be a curve just like Man City have in their stadium an extra 10,000 seats to make it 40, or 8,000 roughly to make it 40,000. Behind the East End, uh, there will be a fan zone, uh, a big paved area, probably with statues, etc. And then as we curve around towards the cop, uh, there's going to be a hotel. Um, the other side of the hotel will be. Um, and outside broadcast compound for like BT trucks and Sky and this, that, and the other, um, and then basically the other side of the hotel. So you're going towards Elston Road. Unfortunately, you have to say it's exactly where the helicopter came down. If you want to know roughly where where it is, if you're thinking in your head of the of where the King Power is in the area around, um there's basically an indoor arena, a six thousand capacity indoor arena. Say so the the King Power Arena. Very interesting, um, Leicester. If you think about the city, doesn't really have an indoor arena of that size. You know, you're looking at gigs and indoor sports. It doesn't really have that arena for for uh, you know, a bit a big gig uh, place a concert um, arena. Six thousand um, behind there, car parking around it, car parking um, further behind the east end as well, where there is a um, currently a building. Uh, an old brick kind of uh, unit building, which is going to be knocked down. I understand Leicester do own that. It's an old um, British gas um, kind of uh, works area. That can be knocked down, not a problem. And yeah, that's the plans for the ground. And um, it all looks quite impressive. It looks pretty much along the same lines of what you would think would happen with the ground, Um, apart from obviously this (laughs) added indoor arena
0: yeah it was something that we weren't particularly well not not expecting but we we've talked at, at length on this podcast when the sort of when the idea of the expansion of not just the stadium and the number of seating but the the development of the area around it first came um out as something that was definitely going to be happening and we we talked about how amazing it would be to have the fan zone there. Because you think of the number of the thousands of people before every home game that go somewhere else, that go in into Leicester City Centre, go to the pubs around the ground um, and socialise before the game and then go to the ground. So the fan zone part will hopefully create more of that atmosphere for longer over the match day rather than just um, those people rocking up about half two um, the indoor arena adds adds a lot more sort of pull to the to the city as a as a whole because let's be honest, most um bands that or or artists or whatever that would want to play in a in an arena of uh, of any real size kind of skip Leicester, don't they? Um, and just move on to a more fashionable city with a with a venue that people have actually heard of before, a hotel on site. You know, the the, the development of a new walkway up from down from Aylston Road behind the what is the Eon building now, sort of tree lined in that in that picture. Look, we've got no idea if this is a credible picture or not. Um, but you wouldn't think that, regardless of whether this is accurate or not. You wouldn't think that the plans would be far from that, and it's quite nice to to visualize it through whoever's artistry and whoever's eye this is that's that's produced this. It's quite nice to start visualizing it because it is a very, um, it is a very much a reality that is going to come into fruition within the next twelve to eighteen months. You'd expect, um, and it's really good to to be able to see what it might look like, what it might represent, uh, and how the area around. The King Power Stadium might be developed.
1: A nice little path from um, from Aylston Road as well down past the arena towards the ground would be a nice shortcut for for me, especially. Um, that would be that would be very good. It 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 looks tremendous. I agree with with your thoughts on especially the indoor arena, six thousand capacity would obviously be in terms of seating, and then you'd have obviously standing. So for gigs, you might have up to say ten thousand possibly. You know, you know that's a, so so a, a good size arena, but. You throw in other sports as well. I know We're a football podcast, but would it be possibly linked to the riders? I know they've got their own stadium, or what's the movement with that? Um, you know, could they be based there? Um, other sports possibly as well. You know, it could be could be anything. Um, the hotel does it have a casino? <laughs> if it, you know, it could easily have. One. You know, I'm thinking of uh, you know just my own kind of thing, but that that would be tremendous as well looking around the plans it, it just looks very professional it looks like a, again a club going places the stadium itself um, a nice and easy curved expansion another tier on the east end essentially and then you would imagine the same thing would happen on the south stand and the north stand behind each goal that would probably equate to roughly the same amount of seats being added here so another say eight to 10,000 that would take up to 50 and that's probably your limit you won't go any higher so Essentially, that would be the max out on the stadium. You know, an extra tier on each three stands away from the main stand um, in a curved kind of look. Pretty much like what happens at Manchester City, a very similar one. Um, But it would be, uh, rather than have the amount of tiers that they have, it would be um, a larger single kind of tier. It looks very good. Um, And we know with what's happened at the club, these things might be on hold. If you're looking at timelines, um this plan here, and you're just looking at the stadium itself, because I'd imagine the rest of it can be built during the football season. It doesn't matter. Um The stadium expansion itself, if it does go ahead, I can't see an awful lot of reason why that can't be done over the summer with possibly an effect of the first few games, maybe Leicester could apply in a Spurs style to the FA to say, can we play the first you know, four or five games away from home, for example? Um, or they just have a reduced capacity would probably be what happens for the first few games of the season. I can't see any reason why the stadium work would take any longer than, say, six months or so. Um, I don't think it's a massive, serious piece of engineering. This thing's been done... Um, an awful lot in many stadiums and the ground was built in a style of a ground that can be easily expanded that was in the plans when it was actually built so I can't see it taking an awful lot of time it's just very exciting um, it does come on the back of what's happened at the football club and we shall just see what happens but it's exciting plans uh, take a look at them if you haven't seen them do make an effort to go online at FFS pod um, go on to Facebook type in for Fox 8 podcast again take a look uh, and we'll we'll have to wait and see. Uh, the game coming up against Crystal Palace. Uh, Rob, quickly on the game. Them in bad form. Um, it all depends on Jamie Vardy. If Vardy's playing. Go for it. Go with the team that started against Watford uh, with Vardy up top. If he's not playing, my question to you: What do you do?
0: <laughs> have a go at three five two. That's what you do. Really? Three. So th-
1: three. The three cent halves at the back. Uh, it doesn't really matter which three, you'd probably say Sachoyu, um Morgan and say Evans, depending on how fit Maguire is. The two wing-backs, um, you'd have the three in midfield, being Mendy, being Ibu- uh, Ndidi um, and, and then one more with two up front. So the two would be, for me, Ineacho and I would like to see Okazaki and Ineacho up top. And then I would have Madison as the other midfielder.
0: Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Uh, look, Palace aren't great. Zaha's suspended, so is Tompkins. So the defence is is not what it uh, what the the regular defence either. We have not got one of those unbeaten records to protect anymore. What were we? Seven games unbeaten before we lost to Spurs. But the thing is, like that, that's good in some ways that we weren't getting beaten, but we we drawn quite a lot of them. There's nothing to protect here. There's nothing necessarily to lose. This is a game, particularly with um, the couple that we've got in the league coming up after it, Chelsea and then Man City. This is a game that we've got to go down there and win, not a game that we've got to go down there and not lose. Play three at the back, the wing-backs would be sensational. Ricardo and Chilwell are absolutely tailor-made for those roles leave and Didi and mendy to hold on to the midfield have madison picking up the pieces in front of them and using the ball well give ian Acho some support with okazaki okazaki will terrorize the defenders um albeit he's not the most clinical of strikers but play just go for it we've got to play two at the top okay We've got to keep control of the midfield and you can do that with three because Madison can drop as deep as you like. You could even tuck Didi or Mendy back in front of the back three if we're under the cosh and tuck Madison into a central midfield role for five or ten minutes just till we get back on top. Chilwell and Pereira will get up and down for you all day long. Uh, and as we've just said, centre-back is probably one of our strongest positions at the moment. Uh, is it a bit of a risk to play a sort of a 3-5-2 formation Yes and no. When do you take these risks? You've got to take them against somebody like Palace because they're not going to pick you apart to any kind of level that other teams are, particularly with with missing Zaha. They've got absolutely nothing going forward. We've got to go down there, hit straight back and say, yeah, all right, we got beat by a team that are third in the Premier League. That's fine. But this team are very much looming in and around the relegation zone. We want to be an established top eight, top nine side. We're going to come down here. We're going to tell you how we're going to play. And that is on the front foot. We're going to play through you, round you, over the top of you. We Go down there, put the frighteners on them and, and go and absolutely smash them because we're more than capable.
1: I completely agree. And then obviously the week after we got Manchester City in the cup, um, they've got to go with the first team. They've got to go with the strongest side that they've got. Um, <laughs> now, it's going to be massively difficult, hugely difficult. Um, they've just got to just got to go for it. They've got to go and they've got to go for it in the first twenty minutes. They've got to really take the game to Man City because um, if they don't, then they're in a lot, a lot of trouble. And we're not going to go through. Hopefully, Man City play a very, very weakened side, but they really do have to go for it first twenty. It's unfortunate
0: that we're playing It's unfortunate that we're playing them. Yeah, it is. But play the first team on Tuesday night. I could not give a monkey's nuts if we get hammered away at Chelsea on the on the following Saturday because we play a weak insider because they're tired from playing against Man City on Tuesday. We've got to give everything we've got on Tuesday because we're not going to win the Premier League. And you can sacrifice a Premier League game to to give it your all to get into the um, into the League Cup semis. Got to, got to go for it it represents a real opportunity to win a trophy we're what three wins away from winning a trophy whereas the Chelsea game we're not even halfway through the season of something that we're not going to win
1: yeah I'm I'm, I'm fed up of finishing uh, cup competitions in quarterfinals Chelsea last year Man City last year both in quarterfinals both late on you know extra time and, and obviously penalties against City just go for it Go for it. And the crowd will be fine. Yeah, you know, if you if Leicester really go for it and get picked off and, and, and lose, you know, two or three nil, but by really going for the game, that'll be fine rather than wimping out and, and losing one or two nil. That's I think one of the main reasons why people were disappointed about the Spurs game, because of the perceived lack of effort, because it wasn't kind of Harry carry Gung ho football that, that, that people really do like. And I still like I I really like it, but it, it didn't look like that, especially in that second half. Very disappointing. But yeah, they've got to. And again, if they beat Man City in the cup and get to the semi-finals, they can go and lose five 0 at City at Chelsea on on uh, on the Saturday after. And then you got uh, Manchester City on Boxing Day at home, which is going to be phenomenally difficult anyway. Um, so there you go, speaking of Man City, they've just conceded to an Andre Krammerich penalty <laughs> how about that for uh, for timing So um, for Hoffenheim, so there we go so an uh, interesting few um, interesting few days for Leicester and when isn't it? It always is at Leicester and, and again to go back to that chap's question regarding like clubs to support, again look what we've got, we've got plans regarding stadium expansion and possible indoor arenas that we never even thought of, we've got the possibility of signing anyone really as a centre forward. We've got a lot of money. We've got a great team. It's just not quite clicking. There's the opportunity of still finishing seventh, possibly in the league. Everton were terrible, I thought, against Watford, and they're meant to be right up there. You know, we, we nearly we could have beat them at home if it wasn't for this ending off and and that worldie from Sigurdsson. Um, there's a lot right at the club. Don't get too downhearted, Leicester fans. You know, there is a lack of firepower without Jamie Vardy but um, hopefully the owners and hopefully the management can see that and get the right people in and if the right people are bringing people back from loans whether they're young players or or players who it didn't quite work out last time around then come back and play you know come back and play because you're always going to have the majority of City fans uh, behind you at least from the start of the game anyway anyway that's that's the podcast For this week, the next one will be a Christmas special. Now, because of all the football we've got coming up over the Christmas period, after the Christmas special, I have absolutely
0: no idea, Rob, when we're going to do it. Um, There's a lot of games at home. When we're going to do what? The one after the festive special or the actual festive special? Um,
1: (laughs) Good point, actually. Production meeting on air, production meeting on air again. Um,
0: Festive special will be next week. Absolutely guaranteed. Festive special next week. 99% 90, 99% certain it'll be next week if not it'll be early early Christmas week but it will be before Christmas Yeah, Hence it, it's a Christmas special it
1: will be yeah it will be before Christmas I'd imagine it will be after the, we'll do it after the Man City game I don't think there's any reason to do it before Man City because we, we've already spoken about the game we've already spoken about Crystal Palace so after the Man City game maybe the Wednesday or Thursday and that will lead us all the way round until after Boxing Day and then we'll do one after Boxing Day um to discuss the games that have been played and also it will probably be like a transfer special so we'll send out social media stuff this one was obviously a questions special and then uh, the one after the christmas one will be a probably a transfer window special looking forward and seeing who's who and try and pick out a few names um so that's it for the podcast look forward to the christmas special um you know what homework you've got to do rob
0: I do. And I'd just like to say thank you to everybody that contributed their questions. We appreciate you taking the time to respond to our social media, please, because um, it really has made an interesting podcast, I think, because it's nice to get some different thoughts, different questions, different ideas. uh, And let's be honest, you don't just have to contribute them for this podcast when we ask you to. If ever you've got a question that you want us to dissect on the podcast or a viewpoint to put across just just let us know but thank you to those of you that took the time to get in contact with us this week there's been a
1: lot of people respond to the three word uh, reviews which to be honest I've been quite slow in putting on the line so thanks for those who have been responding Ali was offside Pack again in the actual time up uh, Tom Rao with uh, Striker Order Striker SOS uh, for uh Haseep patel so uh, a number of those uh, responding to the three word reviews uh, do respond and if you do see any social media posts just give it a retweet tell your friends tell your family about the podcasts you can sign up uh, on itunes on apple tune apple podcasts just click subscribe completely free and if you've got soundcloud again you can subscribe there anyway uh, so from me and rob uh, good luck with your christmas shopping